we're in a human race. Each one of us is a human being. And how do we seek ways to become better people, bringing people along to recognize we're all a part of the same race, the human race, and we all have a duty to do better than those who've gone before us. And, um, you know, sounds a little corny to say it, but to be the change that we seek in the world. Welcome to another episode of CU Lead, sponsored by NetGiver, the app and platform that enables donors and nonprofits to give and receive on a no-fee basis. On this podcast, we feature credit union industry executives and the impacts they make on communities everywhere. I am Glenn Frechette, and today I'm joined by Mark Meyer. Mark is the president and CEO of the Filene Research Institute, more commonly referred to as just Filene for us industry folk. Mark, I've been trying to get you on the program for, I don't know, five months. You're a busy man. Lots of travel, Glenn. Lots of travel. Well, as you shared with me before we started recording, uh, you and I do share Denver in common as a place we like to call home, but not so much for you. You're you're all over the place. You're gone already, I think, this afternoon, aren't you? Yep, heading to Florida. Okay, well, uh, as much as Florida is a cool place, in the summer, I'd rather be in Denver. What about yeah, you? Ditto, ditto. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for taking the time today. Uh, we have a lot of cool things uh, to talk about. So although you and I know each other well, uh, perhaps some of our listeners may not uh, know you, Mark. So why don't you just kind of give us a little bit about your background and maybe your journey through Credit Union Nation just to help us get to know you a little bit better. How long have you been influencing credit unions? So I've been in the industry for just about 25 years, and that's been in essentially three different roles. Uh, my initial uh, role was with what is now one Arizona credit union in the sunny uh, state of uh, Arizona. And at, there I was an executive and in-house attorney uh, with one Arizona. And uh, my next role, the second role, was uh, as an executive with CUNY Mutual Group, now known as TruSage, a large insurance company built by credit unions for credit unions and credit union members. And finally, um, my most recent assignment has been at Filene. Uh, and have been uh, have been the CEO for um, approaching uh, uh, 18 years now. Uh, and prior to that was uh, brought in to help build the innovation competency at Filene. So it's been a heck of a journey. It's been a Filene is a special place as a think tank for credit unions that I've got to interact with uh, so many uh, credit union leaders, credit union boards over the years, as well as the uh, many industry partners that uh, industry partners that support credit unions and their members. I like the diversity of your roles. You went from being a, a lawyer in-house to now being on the road all the time. And you have said to me before, you've had to sing for your supper. And I know what you mean by that. You're, uh, you're constantly asking individuals to be a part of uh, your great company by contributing. And that's no secret. Everyone knows that about Filene, that you survive on uh, the generosity of others. You know, it, it, the correlation between being a lawyer and leading a research firm, you know, is, is so much of of being a lawyer is 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 research and, and focusing on uh, facts of a case and precedents of cases and case law. And in a similar vein, you know, you look what Filene does, it's looking at opportunities uh, go forward, but oftentimes uh 
uh, opportunities for forward uh, have roots in the past. So mm -hmm. it's uh, it's a really fun role in that there is a correlation in, in research and communication skills between the two. I can only imagine through all of your roles, including present day, that people development has to be critically important for you and a big part of what you do each day to influence the careers of budding professionals. Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, certainly, you know, when you look at the opportunities for talent and talent as a whole and the, the current the current state uh, of our environment, um, you know, number one is this notion of growth and the opportunity of, for individual development uh, is ever present. You know, there's we're in such a dynamic, frenetic world uh, that investing in people, investing in talent, providing growth opportunities for talent. Uh, is so critical. And that for some organizations, Filene's a smaller organization, it doesn't mean, you know, next up promotion up. It means exposure. It means exposure to, um, you know, different organizations, different ways of thinking, different ways of being, different ways of working. So, I, you know, I think number one um, would be this notion of focusing on growth and individual development with people as you work with, with people as a leader. And then number two would be this notion of um, if you're looking at leadership specifically and you're looking at how we work together today, which is is different than, you know, uh, a decade ago, is the essence of effective communication and how you really have to invest in education, uh, communication as part of your talent opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, effective communication isn't just sometimes an email and certainly in this environment can't always just be accompanied with a, a Zoom or a Teams uh, video call. So what is effective communication? How do you continuously improve and hone? Oftentimes when you ask for what are some of the challenges in an organization, when individuals will say it's communication. Well, it's sometimes it's over-communicating, which I'll take all, of the, all, all day, all night versus under-communicating because mm -hmm. communication is what drives alignment, which ultimately drives execution. And the third aspect on, on sort of the, the people development to me is, you know, we're in a human race. Each one of us is a human being. And how do we seek ways to become better people? And, you know, the current vernacular for that seems to be diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and I, you know, I appreciate and celebrate those, the tenets of diversity, equity, inclusion, as well as, you know, using the name of DEI or the adjectives of DEI. And what I really have taken those to heart to mean for me as a leader is bringing people along to recognize we're all a part of the same race, the human race, and we all have a duty to do better than those who've gone before us. And, um, you know, sounds a little corny to say, but to be the change that we seek in the world. And so to make that change and, and lift that. So, you know, those are sort of the three principles that I've, you know, it's they're always moving and changing, but in the current environment is that notion of growth, effective communication. And, you know, many would say DEI and would see, I say, be a better human. So oftentimes I talk about the burden all of us must carry. And I think perhaps the better word is responsibility in order to develop professionals in such a way that they give back to their communities, either with time or money, formal and informal. So you've just described that, Mark, and maybe this is a perfect time to segue into what I know Filene does through the Center of Excellence for Community Social Impact. So my guess is, you're developing people 
and at the same time, ensuring that they're giving back to the world. Can you talk to us about that center of excellence? Certainly. The So first of all, the center of excellence for a community or social impact was not the genesis of Filene, it was the genesis of credit unions. We had several credit unions from around the country raise their hand and said, this is one of the most important issues to credit unions as we move forward. And, and some of this is, you know, how you define community is different, you know, in Years gone by, the credit union community might have been a, a specific employer group, a specific club, a specific uh, congregation. Today, as community charters have evolved, it can be a community of geography. It can also be a community of um, uh, you know, beliefs or systems that could go, go way beyond just a, a geographic uh, a community as well. So the essence of how credit unions you know, if you look at the core purpose of a credit union, it's essentially self-help to create um, economic mobility. I think oftentimes um, many of us will look towards the government to be the safety net to solve problems. And I, what I love about the credit union culture and this designation to do research around social impact is they credit unions recognize you can't just ask, you know, government to do it all. We as a, a, a not-for-profit business need to be a part of these solutions in our communities. And so some of the research, you know, that, that um, uh, my, uh, the, the fellow from the University of California, uh, San Diego, his research for us, some of it's been on affordable housing. If you look up at the running and housing prices and you look at generation the generation coming after us, how do they have affordable housing? And so, you know, that is is one topic we've we've dedicated a fair amount uh, of study to. Another that is is emerging is very present in Europe and has been politicized a little bit more in the United States, but many credit unions see it as relevant, is a notion of um, you know, what we'll call ESG, um, social goals, environmental goals, governance goals for a um uh, respecting sort of the environment and implications to some of what a growing economy does to some of, of our um, limited resources and implications of that. So that study has, has um, you know, some polarized that, polarized that politically, but where that really comes is we do see our earth is always changing and, and, and uh, shaping in different ways and forms. And what I mean by that is, you know, there have been elements of change of how, the earth, earth lives and breathes for all of humankind. And we're at a point where we're seeing some changes again. And so if we have, if we look at more hurricanes and if we're in a higher hurricane pattern, what are the implications for um, mortgages on, in the coastal community and the, the, the safety and soundness for, for the institutions affiliated, you know, in those communities. So there is a, a correlation to that ESG. Uh, then you look at some of the, the, the things around financial wellness and financial health. And I look to uh, financial partners credit union as an example uh, of what they've done and, and, and shared with Maya in the center is they have focused, you know, the, the financial partners roots are in Rockwell, uh, which is a, one of the manufacturers for much of the space shuttle, the reti recently retired space shuttle. So much of that membership is focused on sciences and what you'd call um you know, the, the essence of STEM. So they dedicate a tremendous amount of resources to supporting STEM, specifically for young women of color for college scholarships. So, you know, you look at housing, you look at 
uh, what I'll call the environmentally uh, environmental, social, uh, and governance goals under under climate, or the the opportunities of financial wellness, for an example, of a longitudinal gift in scholarships to women of color to to pursue STEM studies, are just some of the examples of what the center is is studying. Hey, Mark, I want to ask you about something else, because you just rattled off uh, a lot of different things that Filene is doing specifically in the Center of Excellence. This may seem like a distant memory of yours, but again, we know each other personally, and I know you took a trip to Africa. How, how does that trip to Africa factor into what credit union leaders were doing specific to this subject of social responsibility and community responsibility? I, I don't know a lot of details. I just know all of you went on a cool trip. Well, you know, very quickly, um, look at the environment. There are 1.7 billion, 1.7 billion people who live on the continent of Africa. The average age is, you know, low twenties, if not barely twenty, for the average age of an African. Uh, African. Um, we also know much of Africa lives, um, you know, in sub-poverty levels. Uh, more basic necessities like clean water are hard to identify and find. I would submit and I would argue when you look at a, a, a big blue marble like this, the planet Earth, um, if you look at our population of the Earth and two, nearly two billion people live on this one continent, we all have a vested interest to mm -hmm. see Africa rise and to see Africa prosper. And so part of that, you know, much like you've looked to the model of uh, self-help uh, through credit unions, to create upward economic mobility, um, there is a robust African, uh, what I'll call credit union uh, type uh, of, of organization called OCASAS. And the purpose of our climb of Mount Kilimanjaro was to really create some, uh, some first of all, it was a fundraiser for the ACASA, the, the, the governing, um, uh, which what I should say, continental, remember Africa is a continent, not a country, continental uh, trade group to work with uh, the African versions of credit unions across the continent uh, and create visibility and awareness of Africa rising. So there was a fundraiser uh, to create a, a national training center um, to create some common standards around practices and uh, education for the, the emerging ACASA movement. So uh, some of it was done for awareness uh, Glenn, some of it was done uh, also as a fundraiser to create funds to create this training center. In tandem to that, uh, a, a cohort of the group also went to work in Malawi with a, a school, uh, a school for the blind, and do some development work on the ground while the climbing team was climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. So that's a, a, a quick summary of the purpose and the opportunity. I love it. Once in a lifetime trip. I'm certain of that for a lot of reasons, not the least of which is being able to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. I mean, that's that's a bucket list item for a lot of people, particularly those who live here with me in Colorado. That's uh, that's the granddaddy there. Well, my my advice is do it before you're 50. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> Too late. I'm going to have to uh, just train harder, perhaps. All right, Mark, here's the way I like to end with my guests is I want to give back to you. And I want to make certain you have a chance to plug a nonprofit organization that's perhaps uh, really near and dear to you and Alicia, your whole family for a reason. So let's plug the organization. Uh, 
and, and we'll make certain that everyone understands how to find that organization and then tell us why it is near and dear for you. So um, I'm not going to pitch Filene. So what I would pitch is, is more themes, Glenn, during this time. I think there are some, some important themes that and encourage listeners to think about these things. Number one is, um, you know, we have gone through a lot of change the last three years as human beings, and we went through it all together across the globe. The ending that, you know, the outcome of that, all that change, all that stress, all that duress, and I see it as an employer, um, is the importance of mental health. And so I would encourage to any support. I think mental health organizations are grossly underfunded in, in our medical community, I do not think they're valued, um, and I think they're stigmatized. And I think it is time when we see the amount of change humanity's gone through, the amount of hurt and isolation and loneliness that exists in our society, despite more connectivity through technology than ever before, um, the human race has never been more isolated or lonely, which is so strange. And so the, the mental health um, issues that uh, have ensued uh, over the past uh, few years, I think, uh, really deserve attention. And uh, I think that it would be a key area. The, the, the second theme is anything dealing with dependency, uh, substance abuse and dependency. In the past few years, we've seen mass amounts of homelessness. Um, my uneducated and speculative uh, perspective on that, so much of it when you're witnessing what's happening on the streets with a homeless person is substance abuse. And if it's not substance abuse, it's mental health. And I often think how we can treat our pets so wonderfully and there's dog spas and uh, what we spend to get our, our, our dog, little Dexter the Munster groomed. And yet we walk by people that are human beings sitting on a curb uh, and have either dependency problems or mental health problems and, and, out of sheer not knowing what to do, we look the other way. Mm. And I think that if there were a couple of causes, I'd invite all of us to, to reflect on and, and to give into those organizations, it would be around mental health and substance abuse. I think it's awesome, Mark. And if you don't mind, then I'm going to take the opportunity to plug one in particular because I care so much about it. Uh, I like what you did. But I'm going to tell you that the Denver Rescue Mission sort of transcends both of your themes there, uh, because individuals within uh, this state, it's really not Denver as a city, but the state in which I live that I'm proud of, is dealing with a very large uh, homeless challenge. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, the fact that I interact with the men, not the women of the Denver Rescue Mission, because I'm a part of a program called the New Life Program, where I mentor young men to try to keep them out of life's ditch to the greatest extent possible. And I agree with you. They, there are mental issues and there are substance abuse issues uh, that are common themes and denominators uh, across the afflicted. And uh, that's one for certain I would love for our listening audience to know a little bit more about. It's a, it's a big one. It is actually a, a very large rescue mission. Many states and cities have their own, uh, but the Denver one is the third largest in the country, uh, which isn't necessarily a brag point, uh, of course, um, but they need help. They need yeah. help. So I'm plugging them. All right. Uh, so I can't help but laugh as I look down to the corner of our screen as we're doing this recording. I started off by saying you're a difficult man to pin down and that's due to busyness. I don't take it personally. 
uh, it reads, it reads, finally, we found a slot together. So <laughs> that may be a great way to end. Uh, it was well worth the wait. Awesome discussion, Mark. Thank you. And uh, have a great week and time down in Florida. Yeah, back at you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. <laughs>